Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. If you'd care to join us, we record live on Mondays at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube. We generally answer a few questions from our live viewers related to whatever topic we're covering that week. And if there's a topic you'd like covered, you can also submit a request on our website, purelyocd.com. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Today we're going to be talking about harm OCD, and specifically last time we really talked a lot about obsessions in the context of harm OCD, and this time we're going to be sort of narrowing in on what compulsions often come up in the subtype and and navigating those. So if you're tuning in, Feel free to ask questions as we go. We'll do our best to address them if we can. And uh, yeah, with all of that said, yeah, compulsions. Harm compulsions. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to, it's been a while. I'm trying to remember which obsessions we talked about, but harm can be, there's so many ways we can chop it up, no pun intended, uh, and, um, into harm. But I mean, maybe we just go through the variations like checking and reassurance yeah. seeking and okay. I think that's a great plan. And I think um, we had sort of divvied up that today, like in the, in this harm OCD, we're going to be talking specifically about physical harm, uh, that whether or not you want to perpetrate that to somebody else or that somebody might harm you or a loved one. Um, and then we'll kind of come back to emotional harm or self-harm obsessions and compulsions and all that at a later time. Yes. So let's go into maybe the really, um, covert ones, right? Like mental rumination. So this could be mentally reviewing past times that maybe there's like quote unquote proof that Mm. you are capable of harming somebody, right? Like if you were a child and um, you bullied somebody or Mm. you were in high school and you got into a fight and you're like, oh, see, look, I did this and I'm capable. Or it could just be like, I got mad. Yeah. Could be that. Could be I'm mad and I'm mad right now, right? Like I'm mad right now. That and means- that might mean something, right? It's funny. I've never thought about this, but as a, I, I think most children do this. Well, I'm not trying to reassure myself or anything because I'm not particularly bothered by this. But um, apparently, I no, actually, my friend bit me in the stomach when I was a child. Ooh, yeah. You know, as you do. How <laughs> old was she? I don't remember. We've known each other literally since we were like a month old each. So um, okay. it wasn't then, but it was a little bit later on. Okay, yeah. Um, but <laughs> it just the teeth. <laughs> no, no. She gummed me in the stomach. She gummed um, you. 
No, but there, it just goes to show you that like really anybody could go back in time and, and think of an instance in which, oh, well, I did something that would indicate I might be prone to harming other people and, and I should therefore be very cautious about how I proceed in life. Right. Um, or even like what you were saying is like being angry in that moment. So <clears throat> if you're feeling anger, that's very triggering for a lot of people with harm, not everybody, but a lot. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it's like, oh, because I'm angry, I'm that much closer to then acting violently. So that person might then try to <clears throat> remove themselves from the situation. They might try to like overly like be nice, right? Mm -hmm. And it and it might not be at obvious at all to the person on the other end of it because the person is so well equipped at hiding compulsive behavior. Absolutely. And to your point, I who would think that being nice, to, like somebody being nice to you, was part of compulsivity? Yeah. Um, but I love and and sort of <clears throat> adding to that. Sometimes the trigger is not just the feeling of anger. But the fact that you're experiencing an intrusive image or a thought at the same time as feeling angry. Yeah. So, you know, your child is, you know, throwing a temper tantrum and you're pissed because you're like, wow, okay. I like throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. And it's not particularly pleasant. And then you have this image pop into your head like, well, what if I wring her neck? Right. Yeah. And then it's like, <gasps> Oh my gosh. And then the, the, to your point, the rumination or the checking of your intentions starts to come into play. And it's like, Ooh, but did I really want to hurt her in that moment? And does that mean that I will hurt her? So, you know, um, I, I think that the, the covert rituals, the mental rituals and, and all of the subtypes are, are the most insidious and gotcha. they can really look like anything in terms of like the process of trying to analyze and figure it out in your own mind so that you don't feel quite so anxious about what you're capable of. Right. It can also be like reviewing images of like in the restroom, was there a child in the restroom? And that, I mean, I guess that's POCD, but like, uh, did it look like I was punching somebody? Like you're trying to remember step-by-step step how you yeah. were acting. Did their face look like they were upset? Because I like yeah. cold blocked them. Yeah, like did so the checking, that? right? The checking of of your surroundings and trying to analyze what checking. you're seeing. Also, the mental review later on, though, that goes on after mm -hmm. that, they can yeah. go hand in hand in that. Totally, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to. Th oh shoot, I was going to say something, but it's gone. That's fine. Mm -hmm. um, so. But lots, lots of ways in which we might try to uh, get certainty that harm thoughts are not somehow indicative of some internal desire. Again, and on the other, in the other context of what if my loved one or family member gets hurt, we do switching gears a little bit. Tend to see a lot of magical thinking. Uh, style compulsions come into play where it's like, yeah. I'm going to do this thing that objectively is totally unrelated, um, to, to the outcome. Like I'm going to tap the wall three times because I had that, um, thought that my, my mother might be shot. 
uh, and that's going to prevent her from somehow being uh, shot and, and dying. Yeah. I've definitely done that one. Yeah. Not with my mom, with yeah. my child. Um, there can also be uh, avo avoidance is big too. I, I don't know. I guess we're not ready for that one. Maybe we're still on checking. No, I think we can sort of, yeah. Fast fluid here. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it could be like avoiding sharp objects or anything that could be a potential weapon, which everything could be a potential weapon. Um, if you're creative enough, yeah. Right. If you're creative <laughs> enough. If you're not, then I guess you just aren't that creative. Um, That's such a good reframe. Yeah. Like, if, if you're coming up with a lot of really wild and crazy ideas, not like judgmentally, but like sort of, sort of off the wall ideas about how you could harm someone. Like maybe I could squeeze them with my armpit and mm -hmm. suffocate them there. Right. Like that's just oh, yeah. an indicator that, that you are very creative <laughs> and you've got a creative mind. I mean, who thinks about that? Right. It's great. You have to manage, learn to manage it a little better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how we respond to that. So anyway, you were saying that about um, it could be um, avoiding situations where you're in like close proximity. I've seen people like keeping mm. their hands in their pockets, um, mm -hmm. not getting anywhere close to somebody at all, like just yeah. like arm's length is even too close. Uh, yeah. Especially in the context of being, let, let's say you're out, like on a high space, like a high platform and, and being close to another person, you have thoughts like, Oh, well, what if I just shove them, mm -hmm. shove them right off? You know, like, it's like, okay, well, I can't get close to them and my hands better stay in my pockets or I have to hold my arms like this. And those are all compulsions. Those are all ways of trying to that's right reduce your discomfort around this idea that, you know, I guess that's a possibility that I, I could push somebody off that ledge. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say too, in terms of avoidance that, um, oftentimes that it can show up in the context of driving too. And I'm not talking about hit and run OCD cause that'll deserve its, its whole own yeah, episode. Whole episode on that. Yeah. But in terms of, well, what if I, what if I hit somebody purposefully? right? Like what if I, or what if I lose control of the car and I do it accidentally? Um, so, you know, maybe I just won't get behind the wheel of the car, uh, because that's, it's a, a lethal weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Sure yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it could also be, you know, harm by proxy. So it's like not asking for a lot of reassurance too. Like, uh, I've seen it with people worrying about their children. Like what if they get molested or what if, um, they get into a car accident and it was my fault because I let them go out of my sight and go mm. with this irresponsible person. I mean, these are all like the concentric circles you've talked about is like, this is like hyper responsibility and harm and moral scrupulosity can even get involved here and relationship totally. OCD. Like there's like flavors of every thing involved depending, but. Yep. Just another reason why the, the categories themselves are arbitrary and not particularly important, except for in the fact that they help people to feel seen and less alone. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I think in terms of the, the harm, the, the sort of, it's almost accidental harm, like, but so that has a moral scrupulosity flavor to it. So for instance, if you see something in the street, let's say you see a piece of trash in the street and then you think, well, if I don't pick up that piece of trash, um, which, Hey, nothing wrong with picking up a piece of trash in the street. I do that. I'm not, but let's say that, that like, there's a small thing and you think, well, what if somebody drives by and they try to avoid the piece of trash and in doing so they hit a small child and it's my fault. It's my mm-hmm. fault that they haven't. So I got to pick that up. Otherwise the small child's going to die. Right. Um, all because we saw a piece of trash in the all street. All because yes. Yeah. It's tough. Mm-hmm. To it's, your point, though, reassurance seeking can come up in the subtype. Although I, I think that sometimes people will be more avoidant to talk about this subtype just because it's like, oh, my gosh, but if they knew that I had these thoughts, then they would not love me or think that I was a bad person. So there's like another way of avoiding. But for those who do open up about it, even just in the context of therapy, there might be a, a tendency to be like, but am I, am I really a bad person? Is it normal to have these thoughts? Is it okay to have these thoughts? Do they mean something about me? Which of course, initially you want to acknowledge like thoughts don't mean anything about a person inherently. And yet over time, if you keep asking that question, that can be super problematic. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you end up in our office. Yeah. Um, and also you can do it without disclosing, right? It can be like, oh, mm. have you ever had a thought like this? Like, again, like I said, people with OCD are highly equipped with this ability to make things very covert ops. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very <laughs> clever, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you could even say something like, uh, you might find yourself saying, you know, I, I watched this thing on television yeah. and somebody oh, was saying that they mm-hmm. had this thought about like killing their parents, which I was like, whoa, but you ever had a thought like that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you're just trying to sneakily yeah. have somebody say, oh no, I have, I had that thought yesterday. It's totally fine. Which of course, I think it's important as we talk about the different compulsions that come up in this subtype and all, as well as all the rest that we talk about why it's a problem. Right. Like one of the reasons that compulsions can be a problem, not maybe the most important of them, but is that sometimes when you seek reassurance, it backfires and the person does not give you the answer that you're looking for. Like that person in that instance that I just gave could be like, no, I've never had a thought like that. That's horrible. Like that person must really want to hurt somebody, right? Um, which of course is going to backfire. Yeah. And, and increase, exacerbate somebody's anxiety. Right. And there can also be like the accommodation factor Mm -hmm. of like having, you know, avoiding certain functions like cooking or bathing Mm -hmm. your child or, doing anything that could potentially be harmful, like to a, uh, your, either your friends or your family or your partner. And so now they're engaging in that, or you might be asking like, do you think this is okay? Do you think mm-hmm. if I hold the knife this way, it's okay? Yeah. 
Um, yep. So, and to your point there too, it's there, there's this huge problem that comes up because now you're not holding your baby. You're not cooking food, which is probably helpful and important. Yeah, you're I not eating as good. Yeah, generally, um, you're not getting close to the people that matter to you. Like you know, like your loved ones, you might not be willing to talk to them or or be in proximity to them. So that's really limiting. And I think that that's maybe the most important problem with compulsions is that they limit our lives. Yeah. They sure do. Smaller and smaller and smaller and then use. Yeah. 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 Yucky. It's awful. Um, I'm trying to think what else I think of for compulsive behavior um, with harm. Yeah. um, Let's see. Confessing, I suppose we didn't really talk about that in terms of it's a type of reassurance seeking, but um, this yeah, for sure. It'd be like I was walking on the street and I like this will happen in session where people where clients will mm-hmm. be like, I was walking down the street and I was with my best friend and we were walking side by side and like I bumped them and they tripped. And that just was really bad. And then you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) I can see what you're trying to do there. (laughs) That's interesting. Why are you sharing that information with me? Is there something that you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, for sure. Um, It's such, yeah, there's so many tricky ways to, to go about getting, getting reassurance or, or doing a compulsion. Um, or like contamination harm could be like, uh, what if I'm, I didn't wash the counter well enough and there's raw chicken meat and now I've served that where the, I chopped a salad or near the salad and now everyone has E. coli and is that right? That's E. coli. Yeah. Yeah. Or I packaged something that may have had some type of contaminant on it and I'm mailing it off to my grandma and Great. Yeah. Now she's dead. They now I killed my grandma. Yeah. 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 And I, I think one other thing to maybe bring into that specific example, though it could be used with any, is that when when you do the compulsion, so let's say you were like, oh, did I wash the counter enough? And you've packaged this thing up to your grandma that that touched the counter. And you're like, well, just to be safe, I'm going to unwrap the package and I'm going to Lysol the contents so that when it does get to my grandma, she's safe. The problem is that it does actually alleviate your anxiety a little bit. And oh, sometimes, right? Um, and when it does, it reinforces this whole cycle. It makes you more dependent on the behaviors so that the next time you're now in a position where you're like, well, I should probably unwrap it again and clean it again. Not maybe to your grandma, but maybe to somebody else. I'll just preemptively Lysol everything then. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I won't send things in the mail anymore. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll only send it via Amazon so that I'm not culpable or, um, right. Or I won't use the counter at all for anything except for, uh, you do see that a lot with contamination too, where it's like, clean spaces. Yeah. This area is good. This part's Mm -hmm. clean. Right. 
And then you get stuck trying to keep this certain area perfectly clean. We see it. I see it a lot with beds, right? Like the bed is the safe space with contamination. They, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about our bed. Yeah. But that is everybody's clean space. Yep. And so if, if you have a clean space, well, now I'm only wrapping packages there. And it, this is where the tendency for it to build and to become, you do, to develop a reliance on this strategy in order to manage and control your feelings really feeds into the limiting of your life. Because you know, if you aren't allowed to, in your mind, not you're not allowed to send packages yourself anymore, or you're only uh, you know allowed to wrap them in this certain place in this certain way, and you have to lice all them, like it starts to build and become increasingly challenging to do daily tasks. Yeah. I just was thinking of that when you're saying like in a package, I'm thinking of like a bomb, school Mm. shooting obsessions, right? Like what if I wrote something that was really accidentally like was at school or I was at the doctor or something and I signed my name? Did I really write, I'm going to bomb the school? Mm -hmm. Like reviewing, I'm sure you've seen, heard that a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like with the, was it, where was it, where the the college students were murdered recently? Oh, in Idaho. Idaho. It was up north, yeah. Yeah. So in Idaho, it's like whenever there's events like this, our clients, our mm. harm clients get super tripped up on it. And they'll be like, well, what if I did something like that? Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, sort of the the – unrelated compulsions that are a little bit more magical in, in scope. Totally. Come up to like, well, I'm not going to watch any news about that because if I do, I might catch it. Right. Like I might catch the, um, the proclivity toward harm and then I might do it myself. So there's like a little bit of an emotional contamination in there. Um, totally, totally. And it's like, uh, what if I, like you said earlier, what if I have a thought or an image that I saw from the article I read about it, or I saw it on TV and I'm in the middle of doing something and it's like, oh, I have to, if I don't rewrite this sentence I was just writing or this delete the whole text message and restart again, then it means I really wanted that to happen. Yep. Like it can get real twisted guys, real twisted quick. Brains, especially obsessive compulsive brains, man. They're just, they started backing. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know anything else. I mean, there's a million other things, but. You know, I think, I think that that's a pretty good sampling. Of course, nothing that we talk about on here is going to be totally comprehensive. There, there's just. The example I keep going back to in my mind, I don't know if I brought it up on here, but it's, it's fresh in my mind because I saw that, um, everything everywhere all at once won the Academy Award. I saw that the best picture, which I loved it. Did you see it? No, because I'm going to watch it with you. I think I'm going to need emotional support. That's I think true. we talked about this. We did talk about that. You're like, actually. we need to watch it together. I'm like, yeah. I'm really glad that you reminded me. I'm like, did you, <sighs> did you <laughs> anyway? Yeah. Um, so one, one of the things that trips me out about it or that, that makes me laugh about it is that there is this, um, there are all of these alternate realities and like mm. the, the whole idea is that you're, you, you, we're going through different, uh, 
like parallel universes in the multiverse. Oh, wow. Now I know why you wanted to watch it with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take this exposure nice and slow. <laughs> We're going to, we're going to take breaks. Um, and there's so, parenting in it. Oh yeah, for sure. Parenting. Um, lots of existential, lots of anxiety about yeah parenting potentially. And, but in one of the realities, they have hot dogs for fingers. Oh, that's so, awesome. I don't know if you've seen the commercials of like Jamie Lee Curtis and I don't know her name. She won the, the best actress, I think as well. She's wonderful. Um, like with these hot dog fingers, like they're like going like this and it's just like, blah, blah, blah. um, I'm like, okay, I have a very overactive mind. With yeah. That. I love Jamie Lee too. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I like, I have a really overactive mind and I never, not once in my whole life before seeing that movie thought about a universe where people had hot dogs instead of fingers, right? Like that just never occurred to me. And so they, like the idea that somehow you're going to be able to think of all of the potential iterations of how things could go wrong and resolve them is ludicrous. Like right. we have to accept uncertainty because we're not even aware of all of the ways in which things could go awry. And that's, yeah. that's okay. Like there's, that's where life is if we're willing to to be with that. So, um, I'm not sure exactly why I brought that up other than I think the next step in this process, part three, which we'll be doing next time we meet, um, will be on, on exposure and response prevention and learning how to navigate the presence of the obsessions without engaging in these compulsive behaviors. Um, so that's sort of a preview of what's to come. Yeah. Because we are talking about harm of OCD part two. <laughs> That's true. Compulsions only don't get ahead of ourselves. Um, but it all, it all comes together in the, in the next part where we learn how to, to expose ourselves to the thoughts without, without getting stuck in these behaviors that limit our lives. Yeah. So stay tuned. Cause no, cause no, just say no to drugs, yeah. AKA compulsions. AKA. Yeah. Um, so we're meeting next week, right? For part mm -hmm. three. All right. Part, I think part three is next week. Uh, and then we'll be off for a couple of weeks and yep. then who knows? Well, if anyone is, is looking for us to, to, you know, do a particular episode, I think we, we had an idea of, of what we'd do sort of next in terms of themes, but we're certainly open to suggestions to if anyone's really jonesing to hear about one in particular. Yes. All right. Have a great week, all. Thanks for joining as always. And uh, yeah, take good care. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD. OCD.